I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today's show is brought to you by Kazuri, designers of cool bags for laptops, iPads, iPhones, and more. Check out our colorful Kazuri Sun Stripes collection inspired by the Jamaican sun and sea. Visit kazuri.com. That's C A S A U R I.com. Where style and technology click. Hello, my name is Adassa Callum and I'm calling from Jamaica. Just like to say that I'm really enjoying your podcast and I look forward to hearing some more from you. Goodbye and thank you. This is the story of how one small island conquered the world. Jamaican Patwa. And a fair start, a Safa Pound. Usain Bolt is also out well. Here they come down the track. Usain Bolt! It's a story of music, sport and style. How its rhythms, athletes and language went global. Pull up, pull up. This is how Jamaica conquered the world. Hi, this is Michael Goldwasser from Easy Star All Stars, and I'm here with Mr. Royfield Brown, who is doing an incredible podcast series called How Jamaica Conquered the World. And Royfield has interviewed me for this series about my perspective on reggae music and Jamaican culture, so it's nice to actually turn the tables and get to ask Royfield some questions now. Royfield, are you ready? I am. First of all, how did you come up with the idea to do this podcast series? I suppose it was a couple of years ago, and it was looking at the calendar and realizing that Jamaica was going to be 50 years old in 2012. Kind of been in love with, with history ever since I can remember. Not necessarily Jamaican history, but European history and kind of world history. And kind of thought, yeah, would it be great for me to kind of contribute something to the 50 years of Jamaica? Of course, a lot of the recent history of the island, I've kind of imbibed it through just being the son of Jamaican kind of immigrants in the UK. So I knew a lot of stuff without even necessarily researching it. So that's the reason why. Everywhere was just covered in this snow. And I was like, oh my God, you know, what is that? must be snow. I said to my mum and she says, yes, I suppose, yes, it must be, it must be snow. And we were freezing cold and I remember I had on my best, best Sunday dress, which was, you know, made of organza, um, which was totally inappropriate for this weather. But, you know, I felt like a million dollars in it because um, 
it was a beautiful dress. And so we shivered all the way from the airport to Birmingham. And when we got to Birmingham, this place is just full of factories because all I remember seeing were just smoke coming from chimneys. We thought there were factories not knowing that those chimneys were actually the houses. We arrived in Birmingham and um, you know, it was a joyous reunion with my dad. Hello, Roy Field. I have a question for you about your interviews. What was the uh, toughest interview you've had so far? Was it hard because it was difficult to get access, or was it difficult because it just didn't head in the direction that you had anticipated? My hardest interviewees were Diane Abbott, General Colin Powell, and fun enough, uh, my cousin in Jamaica. Diane Abbott was hard because... I didn't explain to her at the start of the interview my interview style, which was very conversational. So she was expecting me to be asking her hard-hitting questions about her time in government. And it felt like a softball interview. And halfway through, she actually said to her PA, get this man some notes on me. And I had to explain to her that I had actually researched, but... It was my interview style and that this was much more kind of conversational. But I learned a lesson. I should have explained that to her up front. General Colin Powell was difficult because I had to negotiate with his PA to get his time. And he was very clear that when I spoke to him, I had 20 minutes full stop. I dragged that out to 32, but he was a man in a hurry. And he's a professional speaker so he wasn't going to expand on areas that he didn't want to and lastly my cousin bless him just actually really wasn't very good i wanted to talk to him about how jamaica felt after the 2008 olympics and he didn't know what to say he just said it was good and um, you can't you can only answer so many questions by saying it was good what were your goals with making this podcast? Who were you trying to reach? The goal initially was to put out about 20 shows to really speak to Jamaicans and people who are into or have an understanding and appreciation of Jamaican culture around the world. I know a lot of people think when they hear the title, first off, a lot of people laugh and say that this is preposterous and think that I'm on about some kind of military conquest. But it's also trying to explain to people that Jamaican culture around the world is about mixing and taking on new forms in its kind of host communities. So in the Bronx, it became hip hop. In London, it's become lovers rock or dubstep. And it's really getting people to understand that the bit of when I say when Jamaica conquered the world, the world is as important as Jamaica. So it's not just the traditional story of reggae music and Bob Marley coming and being the, the ambassador of reggae and Rastafarianism and of Jamaican music. It's kind of wider than that. And also looks at culture away from just music. So patterns of speech it was trying to look at people who'd be interested in that so people in london people in the uk people in new zealand people in in germany are equally as important as are people of jamaican descent so really i wanted to make this relevant for anyone Get up in the morning slaving for bread sir. My, my parents were war generation they were quite old when i was born as I got older, uh, more and more 
uh, black people and Asian people were moving in, which was, for some people, was a problem. In this country, in 15 or 20 years' time, the black man will have the whip hand over the white man. We got a knock on the door once, and the chap was saying, um, I answered the door, and he says, is your father in? And I said, yes, yes, and my father came to the door, and he said, uh, Sir, um, we've got a we've got a problem. We've got a, I've got a um, petition here because we have another black family living in the street uh, who's going to be moving in in the street, and we want to sign a petition because we've had enough of this sort of thing, you know. And my dad was—he didn't—he wasn't violent. He wasn't angry. He wasn't. He just slowly just closed the door, clicked it shut, walked away. And I always remember—he um, sat back down in the front room and looked at his newspaper, and then he looked over the top of his newspaper. And he sort of said to me, look, you know what, son, after the Second World War, this country was a mess. It was a complete mess. And we asked Jamaicans and West Indians to come over here and help us rebuild the country. And he sort of pointed at me, that makes him as much part of this country as you are, son. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, what's it got to do with me? You know? um, but then he'd make a joke. He'd say, anyway, you know, black people invented jazz and they love cricket. What's the problem? So he would make a light of it, but in the same way made me think very clearly. You know, and the, the message that he gave to me, you know, was, was quite strong. No matter what the people say, these sounds lead the way. It's the order of the day for your boss, DJ, I can stand. My name is Garfield, residing in Jamaica. I am really impressed with the podcast. You seem to know more than the average Jamaican living here. May God be with you. When you first started this series, did you realize how much Jamaica had conquered the world? Did you realize you'd be interviewing people from all over the world who were so influenced by Jamaica? So one of the great things about doing the series was discovering stories and discovering things of Jamaican influence. And one of them was how big reggae actually is in Japan and discovering the story of Junko, first non-Jamaican to be a dancehall queen, the story of Mighty Crown, the fact that in the Arab Spring, in the first revolutions in Tunis, people walked down the streets in Tunis singing Bob Marley records. And you actually taught me a lesson. It was something which is so obvious when I think about it. I didn't make the link between Rastafarian iconography and the Torah, the Old Testament, and the fact that a lot of the iconography is obviously Jewish so you have this really kind of unique 2,000 3,000 year loop where you have people of Ethiopian descent living in Israel into reggae music and they have two sets of references to draw on though I came to the subject with a lot of kind of innate knowledge I still you know did discover great gems Hey Royfield, it's uh, Jess Collins here from the Birmingham Music Archive, just loving uh, how Jamaica conquer the world. And a couple of questions that I was uh, keen to ask you is, um, you know, you're looking at the history of, of Jamaica, not just music, but, you know, uh, how it's conquered the world and a whole, a whole host of things. But in terms of music, um, what's the, the future for Jamaican music? Do you think that there's it's healthy? Is there... Uh, more artists coming through that will um, conquer and build on the past of, uh, of of the great Jamaican artists that have come have come through over the last 30, 40 years. And in terms of England, 
Do you think that Jamaican youth, and perhaps a bit more broadly black youth, understand their heritage and use their heritage? Do we educate the black youth in terms of their, their music heritage enough? And if not, what can we do to change that? Cheers now, loving the show. Take care. Bye. What is the future of Jamaican music? Well, personally, I think dancehall is dead. Dead in the sense that Jamaica isn't producing a distinctive new flavour to dancehall. And actually what's happened to dancehall is that bedroom producers from around the world are producing that form of music. So dancehall I see as being a Jamaican cul-de-sac. However, in terms of wider Jamaican music, in the last five years, six years, there's been a revisiting of the one drop that kind of almost 70 sounding kind of classic reggae but with a big drop in it which Damien Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. In Marley's Welcome to Jam Rock is the, probably the best example. So that sound of that type of reggae is still alive and kicking. However, the future of Jamaican music I very much see as like a group like Nomads. And Nomads are, for want of a better word, performance dub poets who are just absolutely brilliant. And it's much more about the spoken word and about vocal play. Now, in terms of British youth and do they understand the roots of Jamaican music? Probably not. And one of the things I've tried to do with my little pod is to educate, I wouldn't say British youth, but people as to the roots of a lot of the popular music that we hear today, that it does have its antecedents in the island of Jamaica. What can we do to really counter this? To be honest with you, Jez, I don't know. I came here from Trinidad in 1974. At that time, the Jamaicans, as far as African Canadians are concerned, the Jamaicans was the largest portion of the population. 
In the earlier years when Jamaicans were coming here, the cultural issues they came up on in terms of racist issues and so on were quite severe. But again, here is another thing about the Jamaican community. They are not only resilient people, but uh, people who are assertive. Been, whether it is here in Toronto, in London, in the United States, there are a number of Jamaicans who stand up as sort of human rights advocates. Here it was Dudley Laws. If the people do not have confidence in the police, it doesn't matter if you put another thousand police officers out there, they will not get involved within the process. Dudley Laws was one of our fighters. I rise today the provincial legislature to pay tribute to Dudley Laws, who passed away last week. Dudley was a tireless, fearless, and most unforgettable voice of equality for all Torontonians, no matter what their ethnic origin. For 50 years, Mr. Speaker, Dudley Laws fought for social justice, not only within the black community, but for all communities who needed help. Dudley was there. Dudley was a proud son of Jamaica, a proud Canadian, but Dudley was a fearless fighter for what he felt was right. So what has the response been to the podcast so far? And specifically, I'm interested to know what the response has been from Jamaicans in Jamaica. Uh, fantastic. Initially, it kind of took my breath away. So I started them about... I did my. I edited the first show. It was actually show number six, which was the UK in the 1970s. I put that up on Mixcloud maybe about March of last year. But that was up on its own and for quite some time. Then decided I need to start doing these in chronological order and um, kind of put them up on iTunes. And when I started doing that seriously in May of 2012, within six weeks... It was kind of awarded the accolade of being the iTunes podcast of the week, which was was absolutely fantastic. And I really was kind of bowled over. I could see the traffic was growing and more people were downloading them. But it wasn't as if people were ringing my phone. So you kind of do this thing in somewhat kind of isolation. And to get that accolade from iTunes so quickly was absolutely amazing. And I've got emails from people all around the world and, and really beautiful reviews on, on iTunes in the US, the UK and Canada and one of them she kind of really touched me and thought you know what I'm, I'm doing something here and obviously you know I'm doing something because I'm of Jamaican parentage and I just wanted to kind of give something back I was really conscious of the fact that I wanted to do something which is fundamentally positive about Jamaicans and about Caribbean people people of Caribbean descent and I got an email Thank you Mr Royfield Brown for such a fantastic podcast entertaining, informative and involving. I've made it my business to read up on all aspects of Jamaican history as I'm of dual heritage, Jamaican and English. I've found that the podcast has filled in some cultural gaps for me and I will certainly be keeping this series for my little boy to listen to when he is old enough to understand. Please keep up your hard work as it brings enormous pleasure to many people. I wish Mr Brown much success and happiness and I highly recommend this wonderful podcast series. And, and that just, just absolutely really touched me. Um, and she said, you know, thank you for, for what you're doing. To be honest with you, the, the response in Jamaica has been, I, I don't really know, as strange as that may sound. There's a few reviews on, on Jamaica iTunes. Um, I've had a few emails. 
um, from Jamaican authors pulling me up about the odd thing. Am I going to do something about the church in Jamaica and what about this and what about that? I have struggled to put the show on Jamaican radio because I think that's where it really should sit and that's something I need I need to work on. So I think Jamaican media hasn't necessarily got behind it in the way that I thought they would in the way that let's say the UK media absolutely did do last year. That's work for me to do and It'd be a great achievement for me on a personal level if I could put it on a radio station there and really get it played out in Jamaica properly. Now, I know that you've also begun a Kickstarter campaign. What was the impetus for doing that? Kickstarter is really important if I'm going to really push the project on. As I kind of said at the start, I started doing these really in earnest in about March of last year and spent time doing them when, dare I say it, I could have been out earning a bit of a living. So if I take the um, Soul to Soul episode just as, as an example, I interviewed Jazzy B in May. I spent four hours with him. Then a show probably takes me two and a half days to physically produce. So listening to the interview, stripping out the bits that, that I want, putting them together, finding the music, listening to the first mix down then what I do is I take a walk around got this really beautiful cemetery just down the road from where I live I walk around that and listen to the mix and then say okay this needs to be louder I need to maybe change the music there that whole process takes two and a half days with this soul to soul show I actually did that actually in Canada realized when I was in Canada that it really needed another voice I'm just give context so then I called Michael Riley Michael Riley spoke for another hour all of that takes a lot of time when you really add up those hours I've spent at least three if not three and a half working days out of a week and the reason why Kickstarter is important is because I can't afford to produce the shows of this dare I say of this quality without it having um, a detrimental effect on my financial equilibrium to put it kind of bluntly so the Kickstarter will allow me to finish the shows comfortably will allow me to get on the plane go to New Zealand because the story of Maoris and their relationship to music of Jamaican origin is an absolutely important one and then finish off by going to Jamaica but like everybody else you know I've got kids I've got a family I've got responsibilities and I can't do this on thin air and I'm not a man of means so to speak I'm not sat on a trust fund I don't have the money to go and do this I took a bit of a punt last year and the fact that I didn't do any shows from November through till two weeks ago was because literally I couldn't really afford to do it if I was going to pay my mortgage and and do the things that a a responsible adult uh, needs to do. So this Kickstarter campaign you started, how do people do it? How do they donate money to the cause? Okay, so quite simply, you go onto kickstarter.com, go to the search and just type in how Jamaica I will come up and you can donate as little as 
a pound, which for our American friends is about $1.50. And you, you can donate that or you can donate as, as much as you can. You know, I appreciate that not everybody has money and times are hard. You know, we, we are living through a global recession here. But please, if you can, donate a little. And it only needs to be a little. It would mean the absolute world to me personally. Um, so I can actually finish the series. If you can't donate, please go onto iTunes, write a review because what the whole project needs is the oxygen of visibility and publicity. And that will allow us, if we have a flood of new reviews, to go back up those iTunes charts so that it's visible in the US, in Canada, in the UK, in Jamaica. That is absolutely important. So please kickstart the campaign if you can. And then also tell your friends about the show, but also about the Kickstarter as well. You know, we just need as many people as possible just to get behind this and um, hopefully realise my dream of getting to the end of the series. So it's kickstarter.com. Go to search, type in How Jamaica, and uh, you can donate for as little as one pound or that's one dollar fifty approximately and your name will be chiseled in stone on the how jamaica website if you make a donation of that size suit if you donate a little bit more you'll get t-shirts and and even if you donate about i think it's about a hundred pounds you actually have your name on a shout out of a special mix which uh, we're putting together so there are lots of incentives for people to get behind the project sounds great I said, Lord, please make you win. When Olympics come, I want to sit and eat and watch. And if Jamaica win, everybody win. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Yes, I had the begging bowl out, but I think you get an an idea of how important this whole series is to me. If you want to leave a message for me, you can go to the How Jamaica Conquered the World website, click on the red tab on the right and leave a voicemail message. If you'd like to email me, you can email me at royfield at gmail.com. That is royfield spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter where I'm at at Royfield or you can follow How Jamaica where we are at How Jamaica on Twitter. You can follow the Facebook group which is facebook.com forward slash How Jamaica. Um, that's about it. Please, please, please go on to Kickstarter if you can and please donate whatever spare change you have in your pocket, in your bank account. Hopefully you understand how much this whole thing means to me and hopefully you've gotten some enjoyment and been informed in the last year Let's go forward together. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.